Well, hey, church, it is good to be together today. I'm excited to be with you. Welcome, everybody that's here inside the sanctuary. Welcome, everybody that's outside in the foyer. Welcome, everybody that's at home. And uh, I'm grateful and excited that we're beginning a new series called The True Gospel. Uh, and uh, I'm excited about this series uh, because it's going to force us to wrestle what our beliefs are. Uh, we're going to wrestle a very light question together. All right, you ready for it? Here's the light question that we're going to be wrestling throughout this series. Do we believe or teach a false gospel? Do I believe and do I teach a false gospel? Do you believe and do you share a false gospel? No pressure, right? You know, I was speaking with somebody before the services and I was thinking to myself, uh, every single time I open up God's word, it confronts my sin. It leads me to the, the holiness and the love of the Father. And it aligns me with what's true and what's good. And I'm excited to open his word. Uh, but as we've been wrestling this series together as pastors, I have an extra measure of humility and awe as I wrestle this question uh, because it's such a serious one, right? I mean, there's nothing that's more central to us as believers than what is the gospel. And are we uh, believing the gospel and living out the gospel? But it's the very question that we want to wrestle together. Why? Because there's many false gospels that are circulating across the world today. False gospels um, that don't line up with the correct beliefs of the gospel or the teachings of the gospel or a lifestyle that would reflect the true gospel. And you notice as I opened up, I didn't ask the question, do churches today teach or believe a false gospel? The question that I'm asking for myself and the question that I'm asking for you is do I or do you, do we believe or teach a false gospel? Why? Because other churches are not our primary responsibility. Our primary responsibility as Christians, as families following Jesus together, is to evaluate our own hearts and our own church and our own lives to make sure that we are aligning ourselves with the truth of the gospel, that we have the correct belief and that if we're believing it correctly, of course, the, the practice in our life, the actions in our life should line up correctly with what the gospel is. Are we living lives that reflect the true gospel? Because here's the thing, no matter how clearly we articulate the gospel, no matter how confident we are in Christ... And despite our best efforts, the reality of sin and the world makes it true that it is highly possible that some of the false teachings out there in the world regarding the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, have crept a little bit or maybe a lot even into my heart and my life and possibly your heart and your life. And so the question that I want to ask 
all of us this morning that I want to ask you is, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? And does your life reflect right now what you believe about Jesus Christ? Because our beliefs drive our practice, or another way of saying that is that our daily lives, our daily habits, our daily way of life, it reveals what our truest, deepest beliefs and desires are. The two things are simpatico. They line up. They're one. So what are some of the false gospels that are circulating today? You're probably wondering, all right, what, what might be some of these false things I'm believing or some of the false things that are out there in the world? Now, I'm not going to take time in this message right now to break these down. We're going to look at one of them today, and that is a gospel that is the forgiveness-only gospel. But over the next coming weeks, we're going to be looking at different aspects of ways that the gospel is being presented, taught, and lived. It's not the gospel at all. It's a false gospel. And those gospels are the consumer gospel, the prosperity gospel, the social justice gospel, the right or information gospel, and the forgiveness only gospel. And ultimately, any expression of the gospel that separates our following of Christ, our discipleship from the gospel. And like I said, this morning what we're going to do is we're going to focus on forgiveness only. And what I want to do uh, as we open up this whole series is I also just want to start off by taking some time to overview what some of the essential elements of the gospel are. I don't want to give us a, a definition, but I do want to point out from the Bible, from the scriptures, what the irreducible minimums, the facts of the gospel are. That if you pull any of these things apart from it, it's no longer the gospel. So with all that in mind, I want to invite you all again, if you would, just to pray for a moment uh, that God would prepare our hearts uh, to open his word. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that uh, you've given us a place, a group of uh, believers to come together with to journey through life, uh, to examine our hearts together, to encourage one another, and to open your word against what's true. God, as I was first posed these questions, and as we pose them today, uh, I, I pray, God, that we would not be defensive. I pray that we would uh, be open to just examining our heart, examining our beliefs, and asking what we're really living for today. Does it reflect the gospel? Do we really believe the gospel? And I pray, God, uh, that because of reading your word today, that we would walk out more aligned with you, that we would uh, be able to receive the, the blessings of who you are, of your kindness, of your love, of your mercy, of, of the way of life that you want for us, because we have a clear understanding of what it is, and because we make a choice as we examine these scriptures to walk in it. So help us have the courage to be open and honest with ourselves and give us the boldness and the encouragement we need to align ourselves with you. And everybody at Grace said, 
Amen and amen. All right, so I want to invite you guys as we start to turn with me to the gospel of Mark. And we're going to start in Mark verse, chapter 1, uh, verse 14. And uh, you can follow along with the Bible that you brought. Uh, you can make marks in it. Uh, I'm also going to have these passages up on the screen behind me. And you guys can follow along on the screen as well. And so I want to start off with Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. Verse 14, chapter 1. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So here's a few things you see very clearly in this passage in chapter 1. You notice I bolded and highlighted that word kingdom. He says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. One of the elements of the gospel, part of what the gospel is, and we're going to see that it's through Christ, but the gospel contains the kingdom of God. The New Testament mentions the kingdom of God over a thousand times. The kingdom of God is something that we have a hard time understanding, but the best way to put it is that it is already, but not yet. We are living through Christ, belief in Christ, in the benefits of forgiveness and victory over sin through Christ. And yet we know that the kingdom is not in its fullest expression by the simple fact that we still pass from this earth. Disease takes our bodies and suffering comes our way from this world. And Revelation tells us that in the end, there will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. And so one day we look forward to the return of Messiah who promises that he's coming back and we will be in his kingdom forever. You and I, all of those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, where there will be no more brokenness, no more sin, no more death. And so already, because we already are experiencing insight into what's true, into what's good, the promise of victory, the promise of hope every single day, those things are true in, a lot in our life amidst a world that is still fallen and broken, that Christ is in the process of restoring and one day is coming back to completely restore the new heavens and the new earth. And so one of the aspects of what the gospel brings to us is the kingdom, already but not yet. And then he said, repent, because the kingdom is here. Jesus was bringing, has brought the kingdom to us. He says, I am bringing you this goodness. I am giving you a way out of your selfishness, out of this broken world, out of death. Repent and believe. Repent simply means that we need to turn from something else. One of those things is disbelief in God and everything that comes with it. I'll get to this later on, but you cannot parse out parts of moral truth and say you're a Christian. Say you believe in the gospel. Repentance is a total, I do not have understanding, God. I do not have insight. You are the author of what's good. You are the author of what's true. And so, Lord, I open this book for understanding. I open this book for, for guidance. And whatever you say is the way, that's the way that I want 
to go. Repent means to turn from yourself and to say there is an author of love. There is a creator. We have sin and we need him. And then he says, and believe. Believe in the gospel. Belief is both something in our mind and it is also something in our bodies. Choices. Belief uh, is best described as like sitting in a chair. We cannot say as Christians, I believe in Jesus Christ and there's no actions in our life that demonstrate that, or they're just scattered or self-selected or chosen, either you completely and you wholly, wholeheartedly say, I believe in Jesus Christ and he's the one that guides my life, or do we really believe it all? Because belief is based upon not just what we say, not just what we think, but actually do we act upon those beliefs? I could say to you, uh, I believe that I'm a bodybuilder. I just say that because I saw someone in the church I respect because I know they love to work out. And in a former life, I used to work out. But I I could say to you, I'm a bodybuilder. And we could go to the gym and you could say really quick, you're like, "Uh, Pastor, I love you. I love you. But I'm sorry, you are not a bodybuilder. All right. Um, Those little weights you're throwing up on that that, that bench press, that, that doesn't quite reflect that. All right. Uh, maybe let's get in here a little bit more and, and maybe you could become a bodybuilder, right? Now, maybe that example is an extreme, right? But you see the point I'm trying to make. If we say we believe in Jesus Christ, either the soul of our lives, the actions of our lives demonstrate that or they don't. Either we live as Christians would or we don't. And so belief is, is action. So he says the kingdom is here. Repent and believe. And as the verses move on, he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What's interesting about Jesus' relationship with his disciples is he tells them, follow me, and you will become. In other words, he says, I will take you step by step. The Christian life is a life of progression, of maturity, as we take God in the small things and daily follow and follow and follow And he gives us more and more insight and understanding uh, into this life. But it's not just, again, it's not just belief separated from life. It's belief by following him. And so some of the things we can see from this passage are that that, that the gospel elements to it are that there's a kingdom, repentance, belief, and following. Let's read Mark 8, verses 27 through 31, later in the gospel of Mark. Verse 27. I see some, some rustling, so I'll give you a second. Got some good students out there. Chapter 8, verse 27. Turning to the passage. Here we go. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise 
again. So as we read this story, this interaction of Christ declaring who he is and what he's come to do and what the gospel is, you notice that he asked them a question in response to his being, to his existence as God and God who came down and lived as man to bear witness to us. And who do you believe that I am? And the response was correct. He is the Christ. One of the elements of the gospel is that Jesus is Messiah. There is no way to the Father. John 14, 6 tells us, other than Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Lord. Uh, that is his identity. He also goes on later on to say, not wanting them to reveal everything about him yet, he tells them, because he, he didn't want to reveal all that was to come until it's due time as he was living his life. But he opens up and tells them. And then he says to them, he says, I will be killed. But three days later, I will rise again. The Christ has power over death. He showed us that sin, brokenness, rebellion, that it does stand a chance to be redeemed. He took all of my mistakes, all of my rebellion, all of yours upon himself, sinless, holy, forgiving, loving, all of the judgment that was due as our scapegoat, the Savior. And it didn't kill him. He had the power over it. And he rose again. And that's the same power, the same life, the same hope that he offers us today. And so again, I'm not trying to form a simplistic definition of the gospel today. Why? Because the gospel is like a diamond. Many facets to it. It's like a relationship in a marriage, right? A woman can look at that diamond and, and hopefully like as Pastor Eddie challenged us a few weeks ago, if we're doing our, our job well as husbands, which we're not always, but when we're, we're trying, we're doing our job, she can look at that diamond and she can see all the different aspects of its low, of its, of its glow, of its light. And the gospel is the same. In a relationship when there's, when there's love and respect and things that are right, you, you begin to see the life that comes from it. Children, joy, you know, amidst a few challenges in there, still sinful people, but you see beauty in a family that's present because of love. It's the greatest thing that God's given us, right? And he's the author of love, and the gospel is the very purest, most beautiful expression of love. And so it's multifaceted like a diamond. But here's elements to it that you cannot take away that we see here in the Gospels themselves, that it, it involves the kingdom of God, that Jesus is the Christ, that he died for our sins and he was resurrected. Those four things are the content of the Gospel. And our response should be that we would repent of anything else, turn from it, believe in the Gospel by our actions, and actively, like the disciples, follow Christ. None of these things can be pulled apart from it. They're all part of it. So what's the forgiveness only gospel? Let's read Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. 
couple books later in the New Testament. For by grace, it says, for by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship. We are Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. Now, in verses 8 and 9, it's one of my favorite and clearest explanations that salvation is by grace alone. Four times it points out grace, unearned favor, not by your own doing, a gift of God, not a result of works. We don't do anything to merit or earn our salvation. It's solely based upon the actions and the love of Jesus Christ. But if we stop there, if that's all we believe, it's just God loves me, and if I believe in him, I've got a ticket to heaven. I'm Christian. We're not believing or preaching or living what God's word says. Because what does he say sandwiched right together with the promise of the most amazing gift that's ever been given. He says in verse 10, why? Because God, we are God's workmanship. We were created by Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared in advance for us. So if I'm not walking in those good works, if I'm not walking in the things that God has prepared for me to do with my life, As a response to him, do I believe the gospel? That's the whole purpose of it. Am I living the gospel? Because that's, you can't pull that apart. That's one of the only reasons it exists. So that we would fully be all that God wants us to be, that we would fully walk in the fullness of his love and purpose for our life because nothing else can bring us the satisfaction and the purpose and the joy and the meaning that we were created for. Those are the things of the world. But the gospel is the things in the life of Christ. You see, salvation is not only a means to an end. Salvation is the means to our whole purpose in life. As Christians, We're called to follow Christ. We're called to be disciples. We're called to discipleship and be disciple makers of other Christians because part of the gospel means that we are disciples. Those things aren't separate. Either we believe and we follow as disciples or we don't really believe. One of the reasons that sometimes we could struggle with our assurance of salvation We can have assurance of salvation. Why? Because it's not based on our actions. It's based on Christ and what he's done. And even though we know that mentally, sometimes we struggle with wondering, like, am I really saved? Possibly because we're not walking in that belief. When you're wholeheartedly surrendering your will and seeking wholeheartedly to follow God's will and tuning into his want for your relationships, when you're sacrificially and humbly loving others the way God wants you to, not full of pride. You know that you are walking into something hard. You know in your heart that you are walking into something that is different than how you're wired. You have no doubt, I'm not on my own path right now. I'm not living for myself. I am walking in the fullness of this. 
You're longing for heaven because that's hard. We're not getting comfortable. The gospel brings about walking in his righteousness, going and sinning no more. And it doesn't mean that we're not perfect, that we don't sin. A little note on, on sin, church. I say all these things to you, obviously, of course, right? But let's just state it again as a sinner. And one thing that I hate is as I look back in the last few weeks of my life, I can very clearly come and say to you, uh, not give a very good report, right? I'm very positive there's been some sins. Things that are not pretty. And I hate when that happens in my life. I hate when I'm like, yep, that definitely was wrong. But you know what I actually love about that? Is that most of the time it knocks me back to my knees. And I begin to question things. And I begin to say, why did I do that? And ugh. Forgive me, Lord. You know what I'm prone to on the opposite side of that? A lot of times I'm mostly doing what's moral. I'm mostly doing what's right. And sometimes what comes to creep in is judgment over others. Why isn't everyone doing what's right? And I'll be honest, I hate that sin even more because I'm not as gracious and humble and loving. And here's newsflash there's sin in all of us. There's sin in all of us. And the call of the gospel is to walk humbly, realizing that every single day, seeking to just love him, repent, follow him, that our habits reflect it. There's a few closing thoughts I want to leave us with as we ponder this throughout this week. What type of gospel we believe in? Do we believe a forgiveness-only gospel? And, and some of these come from this book that we're reading uh, as pastors as we preach this series. It's a book called The Discipleship Gospel by Bill Hall and Ben Sobels. Uh, and they've also written like a, a short summary of it as well. So if you're interested in this, but you're like, and it, it contains a lot of the ideas in it, I'll email you a copy of that. My email's troley at gracelaredo.org. I'll email you a shorter copy of this, but encourage you to pick it up and read it and be challenged by what he's saying. But he has a few quotes here where he says that we cannot separate our discipleship from the gospel. Like Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, Christianity without discipleship, without following Christ, is always Christianity without Christ. Following Jesus is actual, observable, wholehearted behaviors in our life that demonstrate our faith in Christ. And the whole premise of what we're looking at with these false gospels is that, see, we can't be disciple makers. We, we can't be disciples of Christ if we're teaching or believing a gospel that separates the following of Christ, discipleship from the gospel. Because the kind of gospel that we believe and teach directly determines the kind of disciples that we are and produce through our very lives in our families. And so what I want to challenge us with is this. Here's, here's my point this morning. The true gospel creates disciples that are forgiven followers of Christ. Not just forgiven, but followers 
Christ? It's a tough question, but a good question that I wanna, I've been asking myself and I'm asking you. Does your life right now reflect that, church? Does God actively get your attention and time in his word? You actively raising your children in such a way that you are teaching them the Bible? You actively living out the truths of what it says that we should not be people that are dishonest, but we should be people that are truthful? Are you actively seeking purity and forgiveness in your marriage? Ethical business practice, it goes on and on and on. Here's some of the even the toughest ones. Are we actively participating in the community of Christ? Are we actively seeking to be part of relationships where disciples are being made? Because again, the gospel is not just a message. It's not set a place. It's not just a Sunday morning. It's a whole way of life. So let's wrestle that this week as we begin throughout this series to turn to other aspects where sometimes we go astray. Let's follow Christ boldly. Would you pray with me, church? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gospel. Such a simple and clear call that it gives us this morning that our following of you cannot be separate from our belief in you, that the two are one and the same. That real belief, real teaching of the gospel is not just an idea in our head, but a practice in our lives. God, would you humble us for your holiness, that we would walk fully in that practice. God, bring to mind for every person anywhere that you want us to further align the practice of our life. We are wholeheartedly living what it means to be a follower of you. We pray all these things in your name and everybody at Grace said, amen. Thank you, church.